Hi, and welcome to Speak Your Truth Now. My name is Amanda, and I'm here with Mallory, and we're going to be talking about social media and social justice. This is an episode that I know Mallory and I have been wanting to do for a while now, and so I'm glad we're finally getting around to it. I know that we've seen over the past several years, social media has really become a platform for a lot of social justice issues. And I know this is a topic that a lot of people are interested about, especially since there's a lot of controversy around the spreading of misinformation on social media and et cetera. But um, I think that's for another time. I think we could talk about that for a good bit. (laughs) Yeah. So to get back to our topic, you know, social media has been used by everyone from, you know, social justice activists to normal citizens of the world. And, you know, these platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram have become such a big part of our daily lives, a lot of us. And I kind of wanted to start off and talk about hashtags a little bit, because when I think about social media and social justice topics, I think about 2015. Going back, that's where I remember hashtags when it comes to social justice kind of took off, specifically around hashtag love wins. And I know you probably remember that time as well. Yeah, like to me, like that felt like the first clear moment that like a clear movement was taking shape. And I remember like, it felt like really surreal, both to be like living through that historical moment, and then like seeing that everyone else was living through it at the same time as well, and being able to see their reactions. Like that was really, really cool, and a little trippy, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I know like, for some people, I know enough about hashtags to get around. But for those I know, maybe, you know, don't use them or or don't know about them as, as much. Hashtags are used, I guess they started off on Twitter, but you see them, you know, everywhere at this point. But they're used to group tweets and conversations around like a similar topic. And when you do that, people are then able to find those topics that they're interested in and can follow those things that they want to hear about. You know, like we said, hashtag love wins back in 2015, that was obviously trending and that was dealing with the Supreme Court hearing on marriage equality. I know definitely a lot of people remember hashtag Me Too or the Me Too movement. And that was another um, really big one. And I know that that officially was started by um, Tarana Burke, uh, I believe on MySpace in 2006, but it really kind of took off on Twitter around 2017 when the whole Harvey Weinstein uh, sexual allegations Mm -hmm. started coming out. Yeah, like me too. Like it, you know, it really forced a lot of people to take a second look at Hollywood and the entertainment industry and what's going on between closed doors there. Yeah, I think that was really, really crazy to see that. And obviously we're still seeing it today. A lot of people are coming forward and talking about sexual harassment, you know, in the workplace, but then also, like you said, in Hollywood, and we still see that today. So we've been kind of seeing these hashtags, obviously one that a lot of people are probably familiar with is hashtag BLM or Black Lives Matter. 
and it's been used over, I guess, the past, you know, five years or so. Mm-hmm. You know, Black Lives Matter has that hashtag was being used to kind of keep up with events that, you know, were happening around protests and things like that, sharing information about police brutality etc. I thought that that was really cool to kind of see that. And I really am just over the last couple of years, um, I've just kind of started following that and kind of seeing what's going on when it comes to BLM. I think I was following it on Twitter and I found out that there was a memorial at Stanford University for black people who had been killed by police officers. And so that was pretty cool that I just kind of ran across that and I was able to actually go to Stanford and see the memorial, which I thought was really moving. I was curious to kind of see what you thought about BLM and kind of what you've seen. Yeah, I think like what you were saying about how like they can, um, hashtags can be like a really good tool to coordinate and share information. Like I think that was uh, especially clear um, back in June. You remember when Blackout Tuesday was a thing? You know when a lot mm-hmm. of people were posting those black squares on their Instagram, and you know we don't we don't have to. You know this is a, a podcast episode about that and what that means, and you know all that. So I won't get into that. But you know one of the issues with the Blackout Tuesday is you know a bunch of people were posting those black squares, and then they were hashtagging it as you know hashtag BLM hashtag Black Lives Matter. And it, those black squares were just flooding the hashtag that people couldn't actually go to the hashtag to get information because they just had like hundreds of thousands of black squares that, you know, they couldn't even find any information uh, if they were looking for it or if they're looking to coordinate with other activists. So I think like we really saw there, you know, like how much people rely on it to get the word out these days. And of course, and we'll get into this later, like you have to vet you know, that information and not just like show up, you know, because someone shared a location in the hashtag, you have to make sure that, you know, it's legitimate being organized by real people for a good cause and stuff. But yeah, you can really see like how just a simple hashtag can bring thousands of people to one location. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that kind of just leads right into the positives of using social media as a platform for these types of topics. Like, you know, police brutality, um, you know, the environment, climate, things like that. I think it's been really good to kind of see what's happening around that. You know, another great thing about, you know, using social media is the sharing of obviously personal stories, etc. And I know back, you know, several months ago, MBA was using Twitter to kind of bring to light the issues around Breonna Taylor and what happened with her and how the police weren't being held accountable. And so I thought that was really interesting of how they tried to use, you know, their platform to kind of steer the conversation towards issues that those athletes thought were really important to them. And we kind of see that too with a lot of people like celebrities, athletes, Mm -hmm. etc. They have this huge platform and they're able to, you know, shed light on social justice issues. And obviously, there's some negatives that can come of that, too, of having that type of platform and, you know, how you use it. 
but I thought that was really interesting to kind of see what's been going on and how different celebrities are using their social media to kind of talk about these topics. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think this was a conversation that came up, you know, in the summer as well. Like, if you have hundreds of thousands of people, millions in the case of some people, if you have all those people following you and you share something about social justice, about racial inequality, and, you know, all of those, I see it, like, that's really powerful. And I think that's why, you know, over the summer, like, you know, a lot of people who weren't saying anything were rightfully getting some flack for it. Because, yeah, like, first of all, how can you be silent in a time like this? And how can you not think that you could make a difference, you know, sharing stuff to hundreds of thousands of people? Like, if I'm sitting there sharing stuff to, like, my 200-some followers, then, like, you know, like, that's really nothing compared to someone who has hundreds of thousands or millions of followers sharing that same information. Yeah. And I've been really interested in, like, I know, especially here in America, a lot of us are very obsessed with <laughs> celebrities <laughs> and all of that. And so this is like mm-hmm. one of the few things where I can see like that obsession actually having like a positive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's been kind of interesting to see um, different celebrities and kind of their thoughts on things. And I've been interested to see the different opinions on things, good and bad. I know that you were talking earlier about how important the hashtags are for, you know, keeping up with activities, events, things like that. And I was actually reading a Pew Research study, and I'll link it to in the notes so that people can check it out if they want to. But there was a lot of different things that they looked at with this research study, but they surveyed a lot of Americans, and they found that Black and Hispanic individuals uh, were more likely to say that social media sites are important for them for getting involved with those social justice issues versus their white counterparts. So I thought that was really interesting. And another thing to really point out is that people of color really rely on social media for social justice news. Yeah, because I mean, social media has a lot of downsides, but like, you know, like it really does find a way to connect people who are, you know, scattered out and disparate from one another. It allows, you know, you to realize like, oh, like, you know, it's not just, you know, it's not just because I'm living in the South that I'm experiencing this. This is happening everywhere. It's not just because I live in Georgia or wherever. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of good positives of it. And as I was talking about earlier, there's a lot of negatives about social media in general, but when we're talking about social justice, I'd be curious to kind of see what you think about um, some of the negatives that can come up. You know, is it is it healthy that we're able to be able to s- you know, we're able to see all of these really traumatic video clips of people being shot or killed or harassed, constantly having that that imagery um, and things like that, you know, I'd be curious to kind of Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. No, I don't think it's healthy at all to see, you know, these really gruesome, violent videos like this, especially, you know, because it seems like we see them so often. And like, you know, like on the one hand, I suppose, you know, you could make the argument that like, well, you know, now that we all have, you know, video cameras in our pockets on our phones and we can record this and share with other people like this, 
you know, like this, this is proof for what we're saying. Like, you know, this demonstrates that this is a problem here. I have video that, you know, proves it. Um, and like that wasn't always, you know, readily available to people. Uh, but the downside of that is oh, like it, it's not healthy to watch, you know, videos of people being shot on the regular. Um, and it's not, I mean, I would argue, and this is my opinion, that it's it's not helpful for me to share that with people. So I choose not to share any videos like that. And personally, I can't watch them because uh, I'm a very sensitive person and I can't watch that sort of violence. Um, but yeah, like it, it can't be healthy for anyone. Like it's it's not healthy at all, I don't think. Yeah, I was thinking back on one of the first videos that I had saw and it's not coming into my mind right now, but it was an individual who was running away from the cops and was shot in the back several times. I think it was in Charleston, I want to say. Mm. Um, but I mean, it was just so, it was so surreal to see that, that video and mm. to think that was a human being, you know, who had a life and mm -hmm. now their life is over. Yeah. And I'm like very, very careful about, you know, the kind of videos that I consume. And, you know, when I see things like that posted, um, I think that it's really important and it's good that the stories are being told, but the videos mm. specifically, I, I try to stay away from now just because it's, it's really uncomfortable. And I know that you know, the George Floyd video was something that really struck a chord, obviously, with a lot of people. And so, you know, in that way, I think it was something that some people probably needed to see to kind mm -hmm. of wake up, um, yeah. you know, if they hadn't been seeing that type of imagery. But yeah, I think it's it's definitely not healthy and it's traumatic to mm -hmm. kind of continue to see you know, like black people, brown people being shot and killed. And, you know, I think you run the risk of just becoming really numb to that. Yeah, and exactly. Like, I don't know, something about whenever people like share things online, it's like they somehow, you know, become distance from it. And uh, I don't want to like segue too far ahead. But like, you know, we did see this, you know, this summer with like the sort of like memification of Breonna Taylor where like people would you know find ways to connect you know the horrible tragedy that happened to her to connect that to like something you know else something that they were trying to be funny or something in their personal life or you know something like that and like it I don't know like it I just I wonder I guess if like some of you know our humanity isn't affected like that's too a simple word but you know like, like I don't know it it does something like, it feels like people have a sort of detachment from social media but the things they share on social media about Breonna Taylor about black people being shot by the police like those you know are very much human stories like a real person's life is involved in those stories yeah that person and their family and friends you know, like a whole community. 
Yeah, that's good that you brought that up because we should talk about that. As a lot of people remember, Breonna Taylor, she was shot um, in Louisville by police in her apartment where she was sleeping unarmed. And so uh, another hashtag that I was kind of thinking about just now was hashtag say her name, which was in reference to Breonna Taylor. But what you were talking about, the memification, I thought was really interesting. So like you were saying, a lot of people on social media were talking about, um, you know, getting justice for Breonna Taylor because no cops had been arrested and there was no justice. There was nothing happening over there in Louisville for Breonna Taylor and her family. And so we were seeing a lot of people talking about it on social media. And then I think what the intention was is to kind of keep the narrative or kind of keep the conversation going around Beyonce Taylor, people started to reference her or, you know, the cops in different types of weird ways. Like I'm trying to think of an example. I think there was like, like roses are red, violets are blue, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, like something like Mm -hmm. that, where they would say something kind of silly and kind of insert that in there to kind of be like, hey, you thought I was going to say something else, but this is about Breonna mm-hmm. Taylor. And I remember when I first started seeing that, I think I saw maybe one or two. And I was like, oh, ha, yeah, that's that's interesting to kind of keep her in the conversation. But then it got kind of weird. Yeah. And I yeah. just started seeing it. And it was almost like humor in a way. Mm-hmm. And it just felt icky. It didn't feel right that people were, you know, using her name and using her situation and making jokes. And I know where it came from or where, you know, what the intent was, I guess, for most people, but it just, it didn't feel, it didn't feel right at all. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like everyone was trying to like almost one up each other with like how like quote unquote clever they could be, you know, with these references to Breonna Taylor and you're like, it just felt like very icky and uncomfortable. And I don't know about you, but I mostly saw it in my feed this summer from white people. And, you know, this was, you know, sort of around the time where most people's um, social media feeds were, you know, filled with social justice issues. Mm-hmm. And, but also at the same time, like people were, I think, sort of like, okay, I'm kind of ready to start getting back to posting about my life on Instagram, on Twitter, whatever, but I don't want to come off as, you know, insensitive or that I've moved on, you know, from these social justice issues. So I'm going to find a way to incorporate the two together. Like I saw one girl who was getting her hair done and was like, you know, in her caption on the picture was, it's a great day to, you know, cut your, to dye your hair and get justice for the cops who murdered Breonna Taylor. Like, why are you talking about like, why are you equating getting your hair done to you know someone's life you know who was you know murdered by three cops like it's clear you just want to talk about your hair but you don't want to come off as insensitive so you do the really thing of fusing the two together yeah yeah i think the way you're describing is exactly right Mm -hmm. yeah it's just uncomfortable and just very weird i'm glad that I'm not seeing those anymore. And yes. I hope that, <laughs> that those will not be making a comeback anytime soon, especially, you know, if it comes to like other people or other victims, I hope that we don't see that kind of stuff. I know another thing too, you know, we've been seeing a lot of 
protests over the year when it comes to social justice issues. And we've seen, you know, when people go to these protests, etc., everybody has their phone out, everyone's recording. And usually it's, it's recording to kind of show what's going on and share it with other people. You know, if it's the cops that are, you know, using excessive force, um, etc. You know, I kind of see, you know, where people are coming from when they're kind of documenting all of this. But um, one of the negatives, I guess, that I wanted to talk about was how so many people during the protests were just sharing these images or sharing these videos of the protests. And when you think about it, you're you're recording people, like real people that mm-hmm. have lives and have jobs and like yeah. <laughs> <a> family <laughs> and people aren't really thinking about the ramifications of that, you know, how that, you know, what effect that has on those people when you're just posting um, video um, at these types of events. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, first of all, you probably aren't consenting to be, you know, to have your image shared on someone's feeds, first of all. Right. But, you know, also like cops go on social media too. Like cops use that information and did use that information, you know, protests that have been happening recently to target people and you know single them out and track them down Uh, and like I saw one crazy thing that happened over the summer was a picture of a woman was taken and she um I think like she had like you know she's wearing like a bandana or a mask and a hat so like she was mostly you know as incognito as I guess you can be in this age uh, but someone took a picture of her and you could see the sort of t-shirt she was wearing. And I guess the cops somehow Googled that and found the Etsy store where this woman purchased it and found her review and identified wow. her based on a t-shirt she was wearing that wow. someone shared, you know, the picture of. And so like, yeah, like, you know, as much as we use these hashtags to coordinate with one another and share information, cops lurk there too and use that information to go after people. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. Yeah. I hadn't heard about that. Yeah. I think it was yeah. Philly or something. It was crazy. Yeah. I think that we've been seeing a lot of that, you know, a lot of retaliation and things like that. I think it's really important for people to kind of remember that sometimes people are just so used to documenting their lives, like everything that they're doing, <laughs> yeah. that it's it just becomes like normal. It's just a normal part of life. And people don't really think about the other, you know, the other people around them and what's going on. So, yeah, that's kind of been interesting to watch. I just wanted to kind of wrap up and kind of talk about what are ways that people can use social media um, to follow these social justice issues and how they can use it to, you know, to bring up topics that are that they're passionate about or want to talk about and um you know what is your what is your kind of experience with talking about these type of issues on the internet or on these different social media platforms uh for me it always comes back down to critical thinking and like you know thinking before i share something or say something and you first of all like making sure what I'm saying like is correct and there's facts to back me up if that's necessary. But also like just thinking about like why am I sharing this? Like 
what do I hope to gain from this? What do I hope people who follow me will gain from this? Am I sharing this to like show how like smart and woke I am? Am I sharing this because, you know, this is an issue that, you know, maybe people don't talk enough about or something that I think a lot of people won't be familiar with or whatever it might be. I think it's really important to have um, that sort of conversation with yourself and just like taking a pause before you hit share or send or tweet and just Mm -hmm. considering what you're about to say and do and think about the real life stakes and consequences of it and then after you've had a little thought then share if you still feel inclined yeah i think that's good advice (laughs) i think i was i was listening to the news the other day and um there were people actually talking about how i don't can't remember what the segment was about but i think it was like social social media and like mental health and how a lot of i guess it's good practice for a lot of people to like write out their post and then mm-hmm. wait, you know, like for a couple hours and then post it, I guess yeah. is something that they were talking about. So that's really interesting. Um, I really don't post that much. I try to, I'm trying to get better about that, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what, what is on the internet does live forever. Um, it's always mm-hmm. there. And so I think, especially now as an adult, I try to <laughs> try to think about that and really reflect on that because mm-hmm. gosh, there are, are so many things out there that I have said and done that are, <laughs> that are there forever. I'm thinking about like high school and college. Yeah. Yep. You know, obviously, obviously, since we were kind of coming up, you know, when the internet was, you know, like Facebook and all that stuff was starting. Yeah. I kind of like, took a look at some old stuff recently because I was just curious and I was like, wow, this is just embarrassing. So I, yeah. try, to, <laughs> I try to think about that. And also, you know, you see a lot of people are being held accountable for things that they have said or done on social media in the past and, you know, rightly so. And so I try to think about that as well and kind of say, you know, like you said, why am I posting this? What am I trying to convey? You know, what's the story? Or what do I think people are going to do with this information? And so I try to think about it in that way now. And it's really hard to be able to tell what is the intention um, behind a lot of what people are posting? You know, like, is it sincere? Or are they just trying to look good? And I was curious to kind of Get your take on that. I know like a lot of celebrities, um, you know, because of their platform, they post about a lot of social justice issues and they even talk about, I donated X amount of money. I did this, I did that. And a lot of people seem to be really trying to be transparent and kind of what do you think about that? Because in one way, it's a you could say it's a good thing because you can see that these people are actually doing something, but then Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, why are you giving us all of this information? Like, is it just to, you know, make you look good at the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I think the line between, you know, like someone trying to be transparent and someone, you know, trying to 
come off as being transparent are two, you know, those are two distinct sides with a distinct line in between the two of them. Because, you know, like sometimes, um, and like it's, it's hard because, you know, you can never like exactly pinpoint this. Like for me, it's usually just like a feeling, but like sometimes you can sort of get the sense that like this person's only sharing this or talking about how they donated to such and such cause because they want to look like they are, you know, up to date with what's going on, that they're smart, informed, and they're progressive. You know, like I said, like it's hard to clearly like point out all, well, you know, because they did such and such, therefore, obviously, like they aren't sincere in it. But it's just a vibe, I think, that you can sense sometimes. And it, it can be hard to sense and pick up on, you know, what the difference is between someone who is just trying to be transparent and accountable and, you know, maybe encourage others to donate to a cause that they had also donated to and someone who's, you know, posting to basically brag about how charitable they are. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I remember, you know, right after George Floyd, a lot of companies were posting about, you know, how Black Lives Matter and how they stand with Black communities. And a lot of celebrities and people were doing that too. And around that time, you know, we were seeing a lot of celebrities talking about like how much they've donated, or how they're volunteering and things like that. And um, was just kind of curious to kind of talk about that. But this is kind of not related, but I was thinking about it. Um, it is related because it was on Twitter, I think, where I ran mm-hmm. across it. But I'd be curious to get your take on this. The I believe it was the Denver mayor who came under fire recently. Yes, for traveling. Yes, for traveling. Yes, traveling. not to travel for Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but yes, I, I am familiar about this with this topic you speak of. <laughs> yeah, I think I ran across that. Like it was, um, I think someone was like retweeting his post and where he was telling people to stay home for for Thanksgiving, don't have people over, don't travel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I guess they were responding in the fact that he actually had traveled. Um, <laughs> so I think it's so interesting how we can like, I, I learn more about politicians on Twitter than, than anywhere else these days. I think it's really interesting, but like how people are held accountable on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to kind of see that play out. What did you think about that whole drama? Well, I, I don't know if you read this or not, but uh, whenever like he was tweeting out like, you know, stay home for Thanksgiving, Denver, blah, blah, blah. He tweeted that out literally as he was on the plane to Houston or wherever in Texas <laughs> was going, he was going to be with his family. He literally tweeted that as he was en route to Texas <laughs> after telling look. all of us to keep our asses at home. Um, <laughs> yeah, like that, that I think is like one of like, the few like clear-cut and satisfying like public takedowns of someone who's so clearly being a hypocrite and you know i mean like this dude you know had been saying in conferences for like weeks to stay home he had had you know conferences with the governor telling us to stay home for thanksgiving and all this other stuff and then 
again in his plane and he tweets to tell us to stay home but you know he's he's different he can fly home and travel for thanksgiving but the rest of us can just go f- ourselves i guess um but yeah like that like that was i think a very clear and satisfying you know public takedown and dragging of someone who so clearly deserved it who was being such a hypocrite and such a little slimy piece of shit. <laughs> yeah you see um i thought it was really interesting because he came out and apologized later but <laughs> after he was texas yeah yeah but it's like did you think that no one was gonna find out like right? <laughs> i just don't get it <laughs> nothing is a secret anymore especially when it no. comes to like politicians and stuff like there's always yeah. plenty of people that know where they are what they're doing and it, it's not a good look like no, no it's not. <laughs> he tried to explain it like i think i like read somewhere where he was trying to explain like why like he was going to see his wife and his daughter and he was in denver by himself so he's trying to like con explain why he was traveling but it's like be transparent on the front end like yeah if he would have just said hey you know if you're gonna travel be safe this is how you do it like for example i'm home alone i'm going to see my wife and my daughter there at so and so so i'm traveling like what's so hard about that yeah i don't get it yeah (laughs) Yeah. Just be honest. And I should know, like, like his original plans were to like have like a Thanksgiving gathering with you know like extended family members. So really, it was a good thing that they had you know narrowed their Thanksgiving gathering down to just the three of them that he was traveling for. It would have been much worse if he oh would have kept gosh. his original plan. So he really did us a solid in the end. Yeah, I mean, like you know, like so many people in Denver and across America were you know making a hard decision about thanksgiving and are in the process of making a hard decision about christmas trying to do you know what science says and what we feel is right and so on and so forth and then one of our elected officials just gives us both middle fingers and boards a flight to texas (laughs) (laughs) yeah seriously and it's like it's happening on both sides too now which i think is really interesting i think in the beginning we were seeing a lot of Republicans just not taking uh, COVID seriously, not wearing masks, just living their life like it's normal. And now we're kind of starting to see some Democrats like like the mayor in Denver and um, mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi and, you know, like other people or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's called fatigue. And it's really funny to see that <laughs> <laughs> these people are trying to tell us what we need to do while they're you know, just doing the exact opposite. Yeah. Living their lives the way they want to live them. Yeah. It's like, you know, when this is getting way far off topic, but we know whenever Kim Kardashian had her birthday party at a private Island and they all quarantined, they were all tested. Like, yeah, you're rich. Of course you were able to do that. Don't post about it though. Yeah. Bad look, bad look. Keep it to yourself. (laughs) Don't tell people. Jesus. (laughs) When in doubt, don't post. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Or share it with the close friends only if you must share it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, speaking of of Twitter and stuff and following people, I was going to ask you, like, do you have any people that you follow 
on like Twitter or Instagram that kind of keep you up to date with like, you know, topics that you're passionate about or that have really good content that you would like recommend for people? So I, like over the last like several months, like I'd say like since the summer, like I've been trying to start following uh, like more like local organizations um, and like local activists and groups and just to sort of like get a sense of what's happening like at a local level because, you know, like it can feel like overwhelming, you know, if you don't narrow it down in some way. So I try to do that. Uh, but also like I've been um, like someone I followed recently on Instagram who I really like is India Moore um, and they're on the FX show Pose. It's a really, really mm-hmm. great show. Uh, they play a really great character. Uh, but India, uh, like they share a whole bunch of like really thought provoking questions and posts and stories about what it's like to be, you know, a non-binary black trans person. For me, I find it's very helpful to follow people, you know, who are very different from me and who come at things from a very different perspective um, that I come from that I wouldn't necessarily think of. So yes, like I think you can learn, you know, so much from people and sort of like get that more global information and then also like follow more like local groups and sort of like apply that information, you know, on the ground. Uh, But what about you? Like, who are some of your favorite folks to follow? Yeah, I like what you said about like local groups, because when we moved to the Bay Area, um, I started trying to follow like local political groups um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so I have like a couple um, of people that I follow on Instagram that kind of post about protests and things like that and how to get involved and how to donate. And so that's been really cool. Um, Because like you said, it can be really overwhelming, you know, to like, you know, try to take in all of all these different stories and posts and all these different groups kind of all over America. And so kind of taking it local has been really interesting. And it's been interesting to see too, like, the different places that I've lived, how how differently people organize and get together, um, <laughs> which has been mm-hmm. really interesting. <laughs> but I like to follow Kimberly Crenshaw. Um, mm-hmm. She's a professor. She was a lawyer. And she I remember her from grad school because she wrote about race theory um, mm-hmm. and intersectionality you know, and talking about race and gender and how those intersect. And I really like her stuff. I like to follow her. We talked about like Tarana Burke earlier, who mm-hmm. started the Me Too movement on MySpace. She has a lot of really good things to post about. And she retweets a lot of other really cool people. And that's kind of how I find other people that I want to follow, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which I think is really cool. And Ijoma Luo, I started following her after I read her book. So you want to talk about race. Yeah, she has a new book coming out soon too, I yes, think. Yes, yeah. Something about like the mediocrity of white men. Yes. That's in the title. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to read it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how it is. Um, yeah, so she she's another one that posts a lot of really great things. And if you live like in the Seattle area, she she lives around there and she's always posting about like local stuff too. Um, so I think that's really cool. And yeah, I there's a whole bunch of people that I follow 
and a lot of them follow each other so it's just like almost like a small world sometimes you know when you get on twitter you get on instagram and you see like all these people that you really admire or look up to that are doing really cool things all kind of working together and you know learning from each other so i think that's been really really fun to kind of watch and kind of be involved in but you know like you were saying earlier thinking critically before you're posting or sharing things that you see on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere. And I mean, even if it's from reputable sources too, like, because, you know, people take different stances on different topics. Like even if it's, you know, written by CNN, you know, it's an opinion article or something like that you can go find it somewhere else and get a a slightly different take on it. And so what I try to do when I run across a a story that's like really interesting and I'm like, oh, like I really think I want to post about that or I want to talk about that. Then I like look for other people talking about it and make sure that I'm seeing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's really important because a lot of people just share or repost things and social media can be vicious and (laughs) people there's there's no shortage of people that are are waiting ready to take people down which i think is really important um to hold people accountable for just posting things that are just not true just make sure that you have as much information as you can about what you're talking about, even if, you know, other people don't. (laughs) And I think we've (laughs) talked about this too. Like when you want to argue with someone who's just posted something that they saw on YouTube from some rando in on the other side of the world, they don't need to back that up. They don't need to give any facts or, um, find that information somewhere else. Um, that is just the truth for them and they post it. But mm-hmm. for people like us who like to, <laughs> to think critically, yes, we have to do a little bit of work. We have to like make sure that what we're saying is true and it's annoying because, you know, so many people just post whatever they want and they can't be held accountable. But, you know, you have to be the smarter, more informed people and make sure that, we know what we're talking about. And if anyone tries to jump, jump in our face that we can point them to several different sources. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think some people like they come across like a video, an article that agrees with their like, really esoteric and wrong opinion. And they're like, ah, yes, see this one video that was made in Russia 10 years ago is proof of my incredibly specific and esoteric belief about this. So I'm going to share it because now this is gospel truth for me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like People seem to think like if it's something on the internet that it has to be true. Right. And that's not the case. It you is know, not. I, I thought this was, I thought we were like all in agreement on like that basic tenet of digital literacy. But obviously the last few years have proved that is not the case at all. But yeah, like, you know, just just think about like how it's contributing to the conversation and like what is it going to inspire others to think about it differently or is it just going to you know provoke a debate and i don't 
just yeah just you know use your critical thinking skills and because uh, like the thing about it is like strangers on the internet like arguing about something like that's like those two strangers are not going to change their opinion when the argument is done more than likely like they've already established their opinions but you know like if you are sharing something on social media and you know that's generally with your friends like they i would say are a little bit more inclined to listen to what you have to say and pay attention because you're friends right. and you have that rapport already so just you know i mean i can't say critical thinking enough in this episode clearly but like critical thinking is a great thing to do yeah and it's something that you have to work to do when it comes to social media and i i think that's probably a good place to kind of finish off but yeah if People want to look at some of the, the people that we mentioned to follow. I'll have that in the notes. And once again, thanks for listening. And we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.